Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here. Thanks for being here today. Also, if you're watching online, thanks for tuning in as well. A couple of quick announcements from me. Uh, first of all, if you're doing the read the Bible in a year plan, the 49-week plan, we have the next um, guide, I guess, for the next, um, what, eight weeks or so? Eight weeks. So you can pick that up at the Welcome Center. And then also, um, just a rem- reminder, we are doing a special building offering on uh, Sunday, April 2nd. It's our beautiful thing, Offering. And uh, if you're planning on joining us with that, I would encourage you to fill out one of these cards and turn it into the offering box. You can pick that up at the Welcome Center as well. Um, I'm praying for those people. So I'm just praying blessings on you guys. So if you're planning on sacrificially giving to help us pay off our building, uh, turn in a card and let me pray for you uh, between now and then. All right. So I wanted to start off today's uh, message by talking about generations, all right? We hear a lot about generations, but it's kind of nice sometimes to put it all together, you know, in, in one slide more or less, and get an idea of the different generations that we have attending our church today. So first of all, we have the silent generation. Silent generation are those that are born between 1928 and 1945, currently aged uh, 77 to 94. So I know we have a few of those in here. Uh, They experienced the Great Depression and World War II as children and young adults, and they value loyalty, duty, hard work, and conformity. Okay, this is the the silent generation. They're generally more conservative and risk-averse than other generations. You know who you are, right? Yeah, you know who you are. Um, This next generation are the baby boomers, and they get a bad rap, don't they, from the younger generation? The boomers, they do, they do. But they're born between 1946 and 1964, currently aged 58 to 76. They came of age during the Civil Rights Movement, the Vietnam War, and the countercultural movement of the 60s and 70s. They value individualism, optimism, and social justice. And they're generally more idealistic and politically active, politically politically active than older or younger generations. So, any boomers in here? We have a few? Yeah, we have a few. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then we have Gen X. This is my generation. Gen X, born between 65 and 80, uh, currently age 42 to 57. We experienced economic and political instability, divorce, and latchkey childhoods. Value independence, self-reliance, and work-life balance. Generally more skeptical and pragmatic than older or younger generations. I mean, that that kind of fits me to a T, I think. So so that's Gen X. And then we have our our millennials. We have a few of them, also known as Gen Y. Born between... (laughs) They're a little louder than most generations. (laughs) Born between 81 and 96 currently 26 to 41, came of age during the rise of the internet, globalization, and the 9-11 terrorist attacks. These things all make a generation. They value diversity, 
inclusivity and work-life balance. I was talking to my son uh, who is in this generation. He said, he said, weird is good. I'm like, what? <laughs> like to be weird, be called weird is good because it's that, you know, individualism kind of a thing. And I'm like, okay. You do you, right? That's what I say. <laughs> weird was not good for me. You know, when I was in my generation, weird was not good. All right, then we have Gen Z. Gen Z, born between 97 and 2012. They're really quiet. They're a really quiet generation. Age, <laughs> Age 9 to 24, okay? Grew up in a world of smartphones, social media, and instant access to information. Value authenticity, individual expression, and social justice. Generally more globally connected and digitally fluent than older generations. And then the newest generation, I, I just heard this recently, it's Generation Alpha. Generation Alpha. And those are who are born after 2012, currently nine and under, roughly. And um, their characteristics are yet to be determined. <laughs> There's a lot of thought about it. Now, there are vast differences between generations. Each generation has its good points. Each generation has its not-so-good points as well. Uh, but of all of the generations alive and kicking today, um, I would say that it seems like Generation Z, Gen Z, is really struggling. All right? I, I just really feel like they are struggling the most. And, and I, I think this could be a trend moving into Generation Alpha as well. Studies have found that the rates of depression and anxiety among Gen Z are higher than in previous generations. Um, a 2019 study published in the Journal of Abnormal Psychology says that the rates of major depressive episodes in adolescents and young adults have increased significantly since the 2000s, with the largest increase occurring among those born after 1995, primarily Gen Z. Another study published in a pediatrics journal says this, the rates of depression among teenagers have increased by 63% since 2013, with Gen Z teens reporting higher rates of depression than millennials, Gen Xers, and baby boomers than they did at the same age. Guys, we have a generation that is really struggling. We have a generation that is really struggling to cope with this world. And they need our help. They need our help. If they are going to be able to navigate the pressures of this world, then we need to get involved. We need to roll up our sleeves and help this generation out and then moving into Generation Alpha as well. Every one of us need to get involved. And I would say this, more than anything, we need to help this generation come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because at the end of the day, Jesus is their only hope. So we have to get involved. All of us need to get involved. So we're in a message series titled, All In, Giving Life All We Got. And it's a message series simply about making the most of the time that we have on this planet. Not simply letting days or weeks or years go by and simply existing, but investing our lives into the areas that God has given us to invest our lives. So last 
Last week, we talked about going all in with dating and marriage and singleness. So no matter what stage of life you're in, uh, God has a plan for you. And so if you missed that message, I would encourage you to go online and you can watch it. But today, today we're going to talk about what it means to go all in with the next generation. They really need our help. So you can turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 22. We're going to read the first six verses of chapter 22. Proverbs was written by King Solomon, the son of King David. And King Solomon was known as the wisest man who ever lived. And so as we read these first six verses, I want you to picture a, an older parent, maybe a boomer, right, speaking to his, his Gen Z kids who are moving on into adulthood, and he's giving, them, he's giving them incredible advice. So let's just look at it from that perspective. He starts off by saying, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. In the paths of the wicked are snares and pitfalls, but those who would preserve the life stay far from them. So he's just giving these Boom, one piece of advice after another. And then he goes into raising children. And he says, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. And we're going to key on that verse, verse 6 today, as we look at going all in with the next generation. Going all in with the next generation. So let me pray. And I'm going to give us a few thoughts from that scripture. So God, I, I really feel like the enemy is ramping up his attack on our children, on our young people, on our young adults, on this next generation. And God, it's, it's distressing to see the, the effects of the enemy. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And what we're seeing is we're seeing suicide increase. We're seeing joy um, just gone, it's being stolen from them, and we're seeing just the destruction of so many young people's lives. And the enemy's having a heyday in our culture and our world today. But Lord, I pray that today each of us would see our role to play in helping this next generation because I believe that we can. They are looking for answers, and Lord, if we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we have the answer that they're looking for. So I pray, God, that we would open our mouths, roll up our sleeves, and get involved. Lord, help me to convey your heart today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so here's your fill-in. We can go all in with the next generation by, first of all, taking advantage of the opportunity. Taking advantage of the opportunity. Verse 6 says, start children off on the way they should go. In the NIV uh, 84 version, it says, train a child in the way he should go. So that, that Hebrew word that was used for start children off or, or train is uh, this kanak word. It means to narrow, to initiate or discipline, to dedicate, to educate, to train up. 
So what the author is saying is that we're supposed to train them up, train the children up while they are still young. When children are, are young, they are incredibly trainable. Much more so than adults. <laughs> when our kids were young, they were, we had them going to Covenant Christian School over in Mishawaka. And when they were in like third, fourth, fifth grade, the, the youngest ones, they started a new program called Spanish Immersion. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. But the idea is that they take a child who is not from a Spanish-speaking family, and uh, they put them into a classroom that is taught by a Spanish-speaking teacher. And the entire class is taught, I mean, all day long in Spanish. And they, they immerse, immerse, what do you say, immerse, immerse, there we go, immerse. I'll get it right, second service. Immerse them into, into a Spanish uh, culture, essentially, and they learn Spanish really quick. Now, we, we heard about that. We were excited about it, but our kids were too old. They said, no, you have to start them off in preschool or at the latest kindergarten for them to be in this program. And they go in Spanish. They're primarily taught in Spanish all the way up, all their math, science, history, all of that, up through eighth grade. And by the time they finish eighth grade, they are fluent, completely fluent in English and in Spanish, having not been a, in a household that even spoke Spanish. The reason this works is because they're young. When children are young, they are sponges. They are trainable. They are ready to take in. I've been trying to learn Spanish for the better part of my adult life, and I still only have about six words. You know, so when children are young, that is when we need to take advantage of that opportunity and pour into them and train and teach them. So going all in with the next generation means we need to take advantage of this opportunity, of those young years. And I don't know about you, but when I was parenting those younger children, my first thought wasn't necessarily training them or taking advantage of the opportunity. I just wanted to survive, right? I mean, I just wanted to get <laughs> through the day. I'm like, okay, we got to give them a bath. We gotta, we gotta read them a story, tuck them in, say their prayers, turn the light off, and hope that my day was, is finally done. And I understand that. I get it. It's tiresome when the children are young, but it is an incredible opportunity. It is often said that parents have six years to help form a child's character and complete his or her, his or her moral training in the first six years of their life. So here's some parental advice. Don't waste this precious window. Don't waste it. Invest into it. It's so easy today to simply just put them in front of a screen, right? A tablet, a phone, a computer, a TV, and keep them entertained so we can go do what we need to do. The problem is, is that they are trainable. They are learning. And if you're not training them, then whoever is giving them that content is. I, uh, I did a quick search and found this article on romper.com. Romper.com is a website that says, a site for a new generation of women figuring out motherhood. That's what it said. 
And this was the article I found. It says, 15 best TV shows and movies about witches to watch as a family. Your little witch in training will love them. And then it listed, you know, this article listed 15, 15 different shows or movies that you could watch to train your children about witches. The first one was Room on the Broom. The witch makes a lot of friends on her adventures. That looks like a nice children's TV show. Uh, the next one is The Worst Witch. The description says, Unlike most of the students at Miss Cackle's Academy, Mildred Hubble did not grow up in a witching family. This plus her general clumsiness is making her first year as a witch in training difficult. I mean, it sounds like a great children's storyline, right? And then another one, uh, The Little Witch. Little Witch lives in the woods with her talking raven, Abrixus. She longs to be invited to dance with the other witches, but not only is she still very young, she's only 127 years old, but she's considered odd. Guys, it used to be, as a pastor, if I wanted to find like a, a bad example of, of what a show is out there for our kids, it would take me a little bit. Now we're just inundated. I mean, there are so many bad influences on our kids, and they're, they're disguised as children's programming. And you wouldn't necessarily know what it is if you just looked over their shoulder and saw what they were watching. But to be sure... There is an enemy who is controlling much of the media today and is trying to program this next generation to turn its back from God. And unfortunately, it's working. Unfortunately, it's working. So the enemy is more than willing to train up our children. And I would just encourage us all, hey, we need to take the opportunity to train our children while they are still young. We need to invest into them, educate them, pour into them. And I would just also say, bring your children to church every week. And if you have bad kids, make them sit through two services. I mean, just <laughs> drop them off and come back, you know. But I, I would tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm going to get on my little soapbox for just a moment. Before COVID, we had more kids attending the church than we do today. In fact, during COVID, during those risky years, uh, we had virtually no children, young children, attending the church. And I understand why. As a parent, we feel like our job is to protect our kids at all costs. And so if that means I'm going to keep my kids from large gatherings to keep them safe, I'm going to do that. That's, that's, that was the mantra for parents, and I understand it. I didn't have any young kids during that time, so, I mean, I can empathize. But here's the problem. We're caring more about protecting their health than their spiritual condition. What good does it do if they live 90 years and end up in hell for all eternity? Man, we got to fight against the culture that is programming our kids and it starts with you, parents, grandparents, uncles, whatever, talking about your faith, reading them their faith, watching faith-filled programming, whatever it takes, and then bringing them to church every week. Just bring them every, every week. We will do our darndest to teach them the Word of God in a fun-filled environment 
And that hour a week will hopefully offset a little bit of the hours and hours of programming the culture is trying to do to counter that every week. Okay, I'm getting off my soapbox now. All right. So we can go all in with the next generation by first of all taking advantage of the opportunity. The second one is establishing some boundaries. Establishing some boundaries. Scripture says that we are to train up our children. We're supposed to, you know, train them, educate them, inform them, prepare them for this world. And what children need now more than ever is boundaries. They need rules. They need to know what they can or can't do. When children grow up to adults or young adults, the world will hand them some boundaries. It's going to happen, right? I mean, there are due dates for homework. If you don't turn it in, you don't get a passing grade. There is a speed limit, right? Some of us don't really know that yet, but there is one. There's a speed limit. There is a start time for your job, a time you're supposed to be there. The world has all of these boundaries. The laws of the land are boundaries. They're rules put into place. And relationships have boundaries too, right? Friendships. If you step over a boundary in a friendship, you might lose a friend. So it is up to us as parents, grandparents, uncles, teachers, whoever it might be, people who influence the younger generation to establish boundaries and rules in their lives. Now, the Bible, by the way, the Bible is full of boundaries, right? And if we don't teach a generation to love them, they're not going to like this book. Adam and Eve had one boundary given to them in the Garden of Eden. We all remember that, right? Don't eat the fruit from this tree. It comes from Genesis chapter 2. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And that was a true statement. Adam and Eve ended up eating from that tree, and it did end up costing them their lives. They ended up dying. I, I am convinced if they had never eaten from that tree, they would still be alive today. So it was a true statement. It was a warning to them. They were given this rule. But the thing is, we have to remember that boundaries give us freedom. That's what they do. They're actually establishing freedom, not necessarily restrictions. The scripture says, you are free to eat from any tree, except for this one. So Adam and Eve had incredible freedom to run through the garden, to frolic through the garden, <laughs> and to eat any fruit they wanted, Right? That's one of the things that boundaries do. It, it does establish what we can't, but more importantly, it says what we can. You can't go outside of these lines, but you can do anything you want inside of these lines. And that's what children need. Just tell them the boundaries so that they know I'm free to do what I want to do, to be creative and play and, and have my own life within the boundaries. So if we establish these boundaries for our kids, we need to make sure we communicate the boundaries well. There is nothing worse than stepping over a boundary that you didn't know existed. And I've seen parents do this. I've done this too. You know, I didn't tell my kids that they couldn't steal from the grocery store, you know, <laughs> but then they do. And I'm like, 
you know, but we, we need to communicate and train and establish what those boundaries are so that they know, that they know that there's freedom inside of those boundaries. And then the last part of it is, you know, we establish them, we communicate, but then we have to enforce boundaries, and none of us likes to do that, right? That's one of the reasons I could just never be a cop, a policeman, man. I mean, this, you're, what you're doing all day long is telling people, you know, you've stepped across the boundary, and it's just hard. It's hard as a parent to enforce boundaries, but boundaries do no good if we don't enforce them. I saw this on Facebook. It was a post by a guy named Sean O'Shea. He's the good dog Sean, the dog trainer in L.A. And he says this, you'll do the work either way. You'll either do the work to train your dog or you'll do the work to manage, cope, and struggle with your dog's behavior. They're both work, but one offers connection, inclusion, and freedom, and the other limitations, frustration, and resentment. Man, that's good advice for a dog owner. That's better advice for a parent or a grandparent. We live in a culture today where we'll hire a dog trainer, send our our dogs to get trained, and we'll make sure that they're well-behaved and then let our kids run rampant all over the place. So kids need boundaries. They need boundaries, and we need to enforce them. And now enforcing them in our society today is very different than when I grew up. <laughs> the things my dad <laughs> did to enforce boundaries, well, I think get me taken away from him, I'm guessing, you know. Um, but discipline is, is still the same. How you discipline your child is, is between you and God, and you have to figure that out. But kids need discipline. Discipline is enforcing boundaries. That's what it is. The world will discipline them. It will happen. It's up to us to teach them that there is discipline in this world while they're still young. And I do love this book by Dr. James Dobson called Dare to Discipline. If that's a new thought to you or you just want to learn more, I would encourage you to buy that book and and read it. Very scripture-based, but it's all about enforcing boundaries with our children. So if we're going to go all in with this next generation, we need to be willing to establish boundaries. Now lastly, for today, going all in with the next generation means making it my responsibility. Making it my responsibility. I love the scripture because it says, start children off or train up a child. It doesn't say, start your children off. It doesn't say, train up your children. It says, start them off. There's the implication that this this is for all of us. We are all responsible for the young ones around us. And I I would guess with the craziness (laughs) of our culture today, most parents would probably say, yeah, I could use a little help. I could use a little bit of help here. If you could help me for just a moment, that might be great. That might be great. So if we are 
involved in children's lives, in the next generation's lives. If we're grandparents, aunts, uncles, coaches, children's ministry leaders, neighbors, older brothers and sisters, we all need to get involved in raising the next generation. All of us do. There's an old African proverb that says it takes a village to raise a child. Well, I've been to, to some African villages, and I understand why they say that, because these kids are all over the place. I mean, they're just, they're running all over the place, doing all kinds of things, um, and you never really know who the parent is, because they all get involved, and like, oh, stop doing that, come over here, because they all just take it upon themselves. It's that if there's a child that needs to be uh, maybe shown the right way, they take it upon themselves to do it. We've lost some of that in our culture today. We're like, well, that's their child. Good luck with that. Why not get involved? Get involved, especially if you have a place of authority in their lives. I coached for several years uh, when my son was younger, and man, I'll tell you what, what a great opportunity to instill morals and hard work and good ethics in a kid's life. There are so many kids today that just don't have parents doing that in their lives. And so we have an opportunity. I mean, get involved. Become a big brother or big sister. Volunteer here at the church. We can always use more volunteers in children's ministry and student ministries. Get involved in your niece and nephew's lives. Actually go to their games. Have them over. You know, take them out for ice cream. They won't turn that down. Volunteer to coach. You know who normally ends up coaching? Parents who are already stressed out and tired. And they're like, somebody's got to coach. Why not you? Volunteer at an after-school mentoring program, Lifeline, which is right across the street here at um, the elementary school, Westside Elementary. They asked us, hey, do you know anyone? We need people who will come after school and mentor these kids with their homework and stuff. So Lifeline, volunteer. Training up the next generation is all of our responsibility. And I will tell you this, it doesn't end when you get older because the next generation is just the generation below you. It doesn't end with you don't, if you don't have contact with children. We all need input from the generation that went before us. I so appreciate wisdom and input from those who are older than me. It's quite often that I will be calling my dad or my mom and just asking them, hey, what do you think about this or that? And taking it in because, you know, they have 25 years on me. They've lived quite a bit longer. And we, you know, have 25 years on the next generation as well. And, and we've got some wisdom just because of life. It's not because we're super wise. It's just because we have the scars to prove it, right? We've, we've been through some life. And so we have, doesn't matter your age, you have something to contribute to those who are younger than you. Every one of us do. And I, I find this interesting because my generation wasn't very good at receiving input from those that are older than me, but the younger generations are. They love, I don't know if they're just wiser or what, but they 
love to hear from those who are older than them. Now, not necessarily their parents, okay? That's why we all need to get involved. So if you're the parent of a teenager, invest into somebody else's teenager, all right? And then maybe they will invest into yours, you know what I mean? Because it just there's a point where, yeah, Karis, you know what I'm talking about, right? You just stop listening to mom and dad, but, but you'll listen to somebody who's their same age, you know? I don't know. It's just, it's just the way things work. So we have a responsibility. So here's your last feeling. If you know someone younger than you, then you still have a mission. Every one of us has a mission. So we can go all in with the next generation by taking advantage of the opportunities that we have in front of us, establishing some boundaries if we are an authority in their lives, and then making it our responsibility. All right, I'm going to invite Rose. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofinner.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.